is Becca and Bill Haven. Just saying, I'm just saying that I'm Tom Becca. I'm just saying I'm McGraw Millhaven. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome back. After a week-long hiatus, we didn't do a show last week because McGraw was too busy. He couldn't make it. Well, it wasn't like I was on a writer's strike or anything. I was was on vacation. Sorry, it was 4th of July. I was celebrating our nation's birthday. Where were you? And how did you celebrate the nation's birthday? Hot dogs and brats and hamburgers and swimming in the lake. It was a grand old time. That's right. You went to the Lake of the Ozarks, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I guess there's no way you can have the 4th of July on a Monday. But that's always just such a weird week, whatever it is, because it's like the holiday well, it was on a Tuesday this year, right? Yeah. So you, you get you start the week and then all of a sudden, well, no, you stop and then you start again. It's just it's yeah. It's it this year, the fourth of July was exhausting. I got back on Monday and it was it was a week, you know, it was it was a week earlier. I mean, it was just it was too much. Next year it's gonna be worse. It's gonna be on a Wednesday. Yeah. So you've got, you know, the whole week is shot, which is two weekends. Well, that's what you did. You took a week off. Well, I took, I worked Monday and then I was Oh, that's off. right. Yeah, well, yeah, see, you took Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. Yeah. 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 So, but, you know, look, I will say this. How is it up in Omaha? In St. Louis, it's nuts. They sell fireworks on every street corner, right? In Missouri. Yeah. And apparently it's legal to purchase them. It's just illegal to shoot them off. And Wait. it's nuts. I mean, it's, it's, it's like war-torn Berlin in 1945. Well, we, uh, for years, and you'll remember this, for years, people were making the run down to Missouri to buy the fireworks and then bring them up here. Right. Then finally, the you know they just powers of be just said, "Well, this is just stupid. We're missing out on all this revenue, and and that people are going to be blowing this stuff up anyway. And uh, so let's just uh, start selling it here. So now they do. You can buy this stuff pretty much anywhere. Um, and uh, people are. I mean, it's it starts you know three four days before the fourth, and then goes until like the fifth or the sixth. And then uh, that's it. And then and then they sell them again for New Year's. Um, you know, but... little, I don't get I mean, it's like putting your entire paycheck and lighting it on fire. Well, it was something like something like $2.6 billion worth of fireworks were bought this year. <laughs> and by the way, that's the other, the other thing, too. It's like, buy one, get three free. Well, why don't you just sell them, you know, like in packages of four and charge one price? I don't know. You know, it's just... <laughs> All these people, all the all these fireworks stands, and I'm sure it's the same way in Missouri, right? It's just like you know, buy one get three free. Well, and you know, it's not some some mom and pop guy who's doing it. You know, there's some big giant corporation behind this whole thing. Has got, I mean, they got the tents and they got all the. It's all. I mean, it's all oh, down. Sure. The, if this is all some hedge fund who's making a fortune over these fireworks, and you got to think about what the markup must be on these things. You know, I mean, what you know, the some some poor kid in China is manufacturing these. Uh, so some poor kid in China with eight fingers is manufacturing these things there in, so <laughs> in they, Beijing. In Beijing, and then you know they're, they're they're coming over here and we're rolling them up. Yeah. Somebody called up on a show and said that uh, they have a QR code on them now. Have you heard about this? Yeah. So when you go into the fireworks tent, and instead of saying, "Hey, what's this one do?" "Hey, what's what's this one do?" Right. There's a QR code on the fireworks and you scan the QR code into your phone and then you get to the website, which then shows you what that firework does. And why wouldn't you do that? Now, I, I, it's been a few years since I actually just went out and bought fireworks, 
Because like that, I was always the the uh, the cool uncle when I came to fireworks, you know, because uh, I was the one to be like, all right, kids, here I'm going to spend five hundred dollars and let's just blow up the neighborhood, you know. And then the kids had to be adults, and it's like, okay, you got jobs, you buy your own damn fireworks. But, <laughs> so uh, much for the nice uncle. Yeah, you know, but uh, but it's very cool, and it's, this is really means a lot to me, and it's very, kind of a sentimental thing. You're going to see a a soft side to your, to uh, Tom Becker. But when my niece was like very, very little, uh, you know, she couldn't have the fireworks, but we could light off the snakes. So her and I would light off snakes. Remember those snakes, those things that you light, you know, black yeah, charcoal the, things, right? Yeah, it was like a little, it was a little tiny little, like tiny, black pellet tiny that you light and it would, yeah. 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 So we did the snakes. And this 4th of July, and, we, and to this day, to this day on the 4th of July, we do snakes. And I didn't do it this year because I, I didn't go to the, buy anything. So it's the 4th of July. I've been all over my sister's house having a little barbecue and just hanging out. And before I leave, my niece goes, Uncle Tom, we got to do this. And she had bought snakes. Aww. And we and we went outside and lit the snakes. And it was it just touched my heart. It was like, oh, damn, how cool is that, you know? Oh, look at yeah. you, you old softy. Yeah. So that was that was very nice. So all right, well, good. So that was that, that was sort of my my Fourth of July. But now here we are, here we are now, and it is uh, the, the dark days of summer. Um, but dark days of summer is supposed to be like like towards the end of summer, right? The no, days, technically, the dog days of summer starts like July first. Oh, does it? Well, then, then we're in the middle of it, man. And it is uh, hotter than a firecracker on the 4th of July. See what I did there? I sort of tied everything together. I saw that, yeah. I see, um, see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, and all I can think about is I is hear about the, the flooding in New England and the heat wave down in New Mexico, Texas, Arizona. My goodness, Phoenix. I got a, I got family that lives in Phoenix, and I can't imagine what they're going through. But I hear about all of this. When I hear about all of this, all I can think about is this is the very stuff that Al Gore was predicting in this movie, an un, what an unpleasant truth, um, an, an inconvenient truth, an inconvenient truth, an inconvenient truth in his movie, and this is all stuff that he was predicting, and it's happening, and still it seems like nobody's really talking about it. You know, I mean, it's, oh. it's, have we just have we just as a society given up? Well, I haven't seen I haven't seen I haven't seen the movie. Um and I mean they care, but it was Fourth of July weekend. We were barbecuing. So we'll care when we get back to work. I mean, give me a break. Um you know, it's it's actually kind of interesting. I don't know how much you and I can do to solve the problem, right? I mean, these are big giant problems, and they're kind of doing some of these things, right? I mean, they're talking about not having uh, gas-powered vehicles in the next 10 to 15 years. So it seems like they're they're well on their way to sort of stop burning greenhouse gases. Now, I mean, it's, it's not everything, but solar energy is more relevant today than ever. Uh, batteries, I, 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 I think the, the, I think it's good, but I still question whether or not more energy is used to build a battery than to, you know, get the, well, that, that's yeah, part of the gas just, out of them. In some in some cases here, the solution just causes more problems. Right. So, right. Yeah. What do you do? What, you know, what do you do with all the unused or the, um, you know, worn out 
wind turbines? What do you do about all the, uh, right. uh, you know, the, the old uh, solar panels? What do you do about all of that? You know, so in some ways it causes more problems or different problems that you have to resolve some other way. Right. And then, of course, you've got, you know, India, which has got, you know, two billion people. And they're not really all that interested in, you know, climate change solutions or China. And so it does it. Am I really going to solve the world's problems by putting my soda can in the recycle bin? I would think, though, that you didn't say that India and China don't care. I would think the people there that are living there that, you know, are, are dealing with, um, you know, yellow air and dirty water. And, and, and I would think that the, the people there care about that. Well, they but they've had dirty water and yellow air for, you know, 50 years now. <laughs> I don't, that sounded a little more harsh than I meant it to be, but yeah, but, yeah. but again, oh, that, but again no, that's okay then. Again, yeah, they're living in object poverty, right? I mean, they're 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 living in such squalor. The 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 governments are saying, look, do you want a job, or you know, do you want these these regulations that will cut off some of these jobs or the jobs? Are they living in such squalor? Or are we just like living off of old um, imagery? of uh what we think it must be like over there well they're I mean, living you know they, it's as it's as bad as flint michigan yeah <laughs> I, you know you got a point there yeah um so anyway so we're dealing dealing with the uh the heat um the, the, actually in uh omaha it hasn't been that oppressively hot we uh we had a really nasty storm that just whipped through here uh, yesterday uh, that was part of the one that, um, or the tornadoes uh, hit Chicago and hit O'Hare Airport. Um, so we we had that nasty storm that came through here uh, yesterday, but it it came and went, and you know, so we're not like oppressively hot, but um, we definitely have definitely have the heat, definitely have the heat here. Yeah, the... you know, it hasn't been that bad here in St. Louis. It's been hot, but it hasn't been as humid as it's been in years past. I don't know why that's just a quirk of the systems or whatever, but. The um, you know, the uh, the humidity is coming, but so far it's actually been kind of a nice, nice summer. Yeah, you know, and of course we focus on you know the the extremes as we always do, and the extremes in Arizona, the extremes in uh, you know uh, New Mexico or uh, Vermont, and uh, so we're focusing on those where you know a lot of a lot of the a uh, lot of the country is still just yeah, you know, it's summertime in name your town, yeah. Uh, can we talk about the writer's strike? I, I don't know. Are we breaking any rules if we do? Well, are, are you SAG or AFTRA? Uh, no. Oh, I am. Are you? Yeah, I am SAG AFTRA. Oh, so now you're going on strike then? Well, uh, I got I got a ballot to vote, and I threw it away. Um, because I'm not a writer, and I'm not an actor, even though I portray one on the radio. Um, I didn't think it was right to vote one way or the other when I didn't, I just, I, so I threw it away. Um, but this, the way we watch television and the way we entertain ourselves is self-destructing before our very eyes. Okay. That is a too deep of a topic to get into at this point, because we're about time for a break. So let's do a quick break here on KTRS. If you're listening on the podcast, there won't be much of a break. But if you're listening on KTRS, take a quick break here, and then we'll get into this because I think this is something that affects you in the radio and it affected me in the TV business. Uh, and I think this is important stuff to talk about because I also want to talk about uh, the um, 
uh, the lack of local media, which is also part of all of this. All of that and more coming up on Becca and Milhaven, just saying, on the Big 550 KTRS. We are back. I'm Tom Becca. He's McGraw-Milhaven. I'm in Omaha. He's in St. Louis. Uh, this is uh, our, our podcast, which also can be heard on uh, the radio over there in St. Louis on KTRS, as we are our multimedia here. The uh, traditional on-air radio first, plus the non-not-so-traditional uh, podcast, although podcasting is becoming more and more traditional, I guess, every day. But but you wanted to talk about the writer strike and all the actor strike that's going on and, and how we, we watch our uh, well, how we get our entertainment. So we, we know that the cable business model is crumbling before our very eyes, right? Mm-hmm. People are cutting the cord. They're not watching. They're not paying two hundred dollars for a cable bill anymore. We we know they're going to streaming, and um, Netflix or Hulu or Amazon will spend, you know, fifty million dollars for a new series. They'll drop the series. It will be ten episodes, and the consuming public will watch it in a day and a half, and will pay nine dollars to watch it, and the company will lose money. So they'll put in another $50 million series that'll drop next week. And, and it's, this, it's this never ending uh, bucket that they can't fill of content the American people want. But at the same time, the American people are paying either insignificant amounts and or borrowing their friend's password so they're not paying for it at all. This is like Napster, but on a giant scale. The whole way television writers and producers and actors get paid and how the American people pay for it is collapsing right before our very eyes. And I'm afraid that um, when this is over, right, I think people are going to get out of the habit of watching Colbert. People are going to get out of the habit of watching Saturday Night Live. They're going to go on to different things. This is a this isn't going to be over anytime soon. This is a structural problem. That is well, going to be that is going to change America forever. Well, it it, it already has. And you talk about not going to watch Saturday Night Live. I watch Saturday Night Live. I watch it Sunday mornings. Yeah, I get I get on the website. I get on the website and I check out the opening uh, montage. I check out maybe sometimes the monologue, and then I open. Then I check out the uh, weekend update. And then if there's anything else that just sort of strikes my fancy, I'll just sort of check to see if there's anything worth watching. But the, but I watch that I watch that every every Sunday morning. Um you know but well, you haven't watched it. You haven't watched it since the strike and there's been nothing no. new. No. No, yeah. So they're missing out on the revenue there from their streaming, which is uh, pennies on the dollar from what they were making before with the over the year. But you bring up an excellent point here. And then the other thing too about this and this and this you know, there's, there's some things you have to just sort of accept because that's just how things are. But it pisses me off, if I may say that. It upsets me. There, these reels and TikTok videos where somebody just has cat videos and has two million followers. There's a, there's a woman on reels who I've seen her stuff. She's a housewife. She's you know a nice looking middle class middle aged housewife. And she will be doing things like emptying the dishwasher or, you know, uh, you know, cleaning the bathroom or whatever, doing like a little, little housewife. Well, that's, I don't know, I'll get in trouble for saying that. Housewife duties, you know, she's doing stuff around the house while listening to 
some comic, like a Bill Burr or somebody, some comic do uh, a relationship uh, uh, comedy bit mm-hmm. about how men and women react. And she'll just be there and you'll just see her laughing. You don't even hear her laughing. You just see her laughing along with whatever the comedy bit is. And she has like over 700,000 followers. Now, if you've got 700,000 followers watching this, you should be able to part of that into some money somehow, right? I mean, but, but she doesn't do anything. There's no talent involved. There's nothing involved other than the fact that her husband holds a camera on her while she uh, fakes laughs to somebody else's uh, community material. And this is what is posing for entertainment these days. Well, but then you have Netflix who puts $50 million into the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is, you know, it, it, it employs hundreds of people and is a wonderful script and is well thought out and everything else, but they don't make their $50 million back because it's dropped in, you know, five days, two weeks, three weeks. And they're just the, 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 whatever prime is getting, someone's using, you know, my, my prime membership to watch it. Well, so okay, now, first of all, oh, not first of all you, start out, you start out this conversation by saying it was on Netflix, and you're right. It's not on Netflix. It's on, it's on Prime. Well, whatever. That's part of the problem, too. You don't even know where some of this stuff is. Yeah. And I don't even yeah. go so far as to say, I think that one of the reasons why we are divided as a country is we don't have those unifying TV shows that we used to have, where you would have a group of people that would watch Seinfeld, and you could talk about it at work the next day. Or you'd have a group of people that, you know, would watch, you know, na- name whatever the show might be. Uh, you know, popular show from the day. Bosom Buddies. Bosom Buddies. Wow, boy, there's an obscure reference from Tom Hanks' past. But yeah, whatever it might be. You you know, you've got, you've got those shows that everybody watched, Bob Newhart or whatever. And now you don't have that because you're watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm watching Breaking Bad. Somebody else is watching... Um, whatever uh, is on the Discovery Channel. Somebody else is what, you know, then talk about the late night shows. It used to be you had Carson. You know, you had Carson and everybody watched Carson. But now you got Carson, you got Colbert, you got Kimmel, you got The Daily Show, you got all this other stuff that's out there. And so as a nation, we don't even have the unifying forms of entertainment other than maybe the Super Bowl and elections where everybody's focusing on that because otherwise... Everybody's in their own little world, their own yeah. little. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I have a feeling that this writer's strike and this actor's strike um, is going to last a very long time. There was a quote I was reading in Variety or somewhere where one of the producers uh, said, We are going to make these writers cry. We're going to make them sell their homes and go back home because this is. This is not they're, they're not giving in. And the writers are saying, hey, I used to do 22 shows a year every year. Now I do 10 shows and I do it every three years. So, I mean, it, it's a it, this this the way we're watching television is broken. And the cable for all of its complaints was sort of hiding a lot of problems. And there was a lot of subsidized news and information and everything else based on the money we were paying on, on cable. Once that that model broke, um there's I mean, there's a lot of things that are that are that are falling by the wayside because the cable model is breaking. Well what's interesting here though, I mean, on one hand, yeah, you know, the, the producers say we're gonna make these writers uh, cry. But the reality is without the writers, without the actors, they have no product to sell. And they need the product. And and and, and say what you now granted, I mean 
it may not be the glory days of when they're just making money hand over fist, but they still need the product if they want to survive. I, I, I've used this uh, referring to radio, uh, newspapers, and more of the traditional media. I use what I call the pizza theory. A guy owns a pizza shop, and uh, you know things are going well. Make, it's just selling pizza hand over fist, you know, making lots of money. And he says, you know, if we put eight fewer pepperonis on, water down the sauce, and use cheaper flour, we can make more money. And then they wonder why they're not selling any pizzas six months down the line. It's the same thing here. You know, the, the, these these networks, and part of it is because there's so much competition, they don't have the resources to be able to keep growing this way. But if they keep cutting back and keep cutting back and keep cutting back, well, then at some point in time, there's no reason to even, like, watch or to tune to it if all they're going to be doing is just showing, you know, cat videos. Well, network television. Right. The Emmy uh, nominations came out. HBO's got four of them. Uh, AMC's got one. Disney's got one. None from the networks. None. None. I mean, think about that for a second. Not one Emmy for best drama from any of the networks because the networks have given up or the audience has sort of left them. I don't know what came first, the, uh, 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 the chicken or the egg. There wasn't good quality programming, so nobody watched. Or nobody was watching, so, so there's no good quality programming. But the fact that the networks are now talking about giving back the 9 o'clock hour to the local affiliates, think about what a cash cow that was for the networks for so many years. And now they just want to give that hour back to the affiliates. The whole world's changing. Oh, yeah. And I, well, I, I just I, I don't know where it's going. Well, the, network, the networks don't need the affiliates the way they used to. I was talking to a general manager of one of the TV stations here, and he was telling me, he said, that uh, during the upfronts, you know, the upfronts were always a big thing where the TV networks would bring out their stars and they would go and they would have, um, you know, talk to the advertisers, the agencies, and get everybody all excited about, you know, spending money on the networks. They they left the network, they left the affiliates out of it this year. And then because, because the networks, the networks, you know, have got streaming. The networks have other ways to get their product out, and so they don't need the affiliates the way they used to. And uh, you're right. I mean, that's how it's all changing. Now, you and I are in the business, so we focus on all of this, and this is you know important to us. The average person, though, just wants to be entertained or informed, and I don't think they realize what is happening to the point where they're losing a lot of Losing a lot of important resources because the networks are cutting back, the uh, the cable networks are cutting back, the radio stations are cutting back, TV stations are cutting back, and I don't think the average consumer understands what they're losing uh, until it's all gone. Yeah, no, that's that. You're right. You're right. Um, and that's why you see a woman laughing at Bill Barr's comedy getting 700 million views. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's um it's a it's a different world. In some ways, you know, we're doing a podcast, and in some ways, podcasts um are the only thing thriving. Now, there's only a couple of podcasts that are making money, but there are a lot of people who aren't paying millions of dollars for a podcast uh, uh, that aren't making a lot of money. There's some gravity to it, right? If a podcast isn't making money, it goes away or people stop paying for it or paying, you know, buying it or whatever. Uh, but cable and whatever else, I'm stuck paying, you know, for the channel that brings you my 600 pound sister, even though I don't want to watch it. 
on cable. So I don't, the, the system's broken. I don't know where it's going, but all I know is this writer's strike is a real deal, unlike others we've seen in the, the past. Well, the other thing, too, is that, um, look, what the writers are afraid of, and rightfully so, is artificial intelligence. Yeah. Because, you know, the networks would just go and say, you know what, we'll uh, we'll have a computer write Jimmy Kimmel's jokes. And yeah. instead of having the 10 uh, writers on staff, we'll have an editor that'll take the, uh, you know, 300 jokes the uh, computer gives us every night, and we'll edit them down to the 10 best ones, and then... Uh, uh, give that to Jimmy Kimmel, and it'll all be done by computer. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. 60 Minutes re-ran a piece last week, uh, last Sunday. I don't know if you saw it, about artificial intelligence and yeah, what I it's it. and what it's, it's it. doing. And and um, uh, I forget who the actor was on that story, but he Scott finished Kelly. it up by saying, and for what may be the first of many times you'll hear this on this program, this story was done completely by humans yeah yeah <laughs> technically yeah. he was wrong because he was interviewing robots and so it wasn't all done by well the as far as done. the writing was done <laughs> but they were interviewing robots well yeah but okay all right but if you're doing if you're doing a story about auto manufacturing you don't give the uh the the assembly line credit <laughs> i'm just Come saying on. hey the show is called just saying I was just saying, that's all. <laughs> so you're just saying, well, stop I was saying, saying so much. <laughs> all right. uh, should we break? Uh, yeah, probably we can do a break here. Uh, we'll do another quick break here. If you're listening on uh, KTRS, be with you in a second. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, just hang in there. Because in just a moment, we'll be back with more of Becca and Milhaven just saying on the Big 550 KTRS. Once again, we are back. I'm Tom Becker. He's McGraw-Millhaven, and this is Just Saying. By the way, if you're listening on the radio, we hope you are. If you're in St. Louis, if you're anywhere else, you're not going to be able to listen to it on the radio. But if you're listening on the radio and you're in St. Louis, uh, make sure you also subscribe to uh, the podcast because we're on YouTube. We're on, oh, not, we're not on YouTube. We ought to be on YouTube. We're not on YouTube. We're on, we're on iHeart. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, iHeart, uh, rather, um, iTunes. Pretty much... Wherever you get your uh, your podcast, you can find us. So uh, subscribe, like, and then uh, listen uh, every week or almost every week when we uh, put out a, a brand new episode of this fine, stellar program. Um, you know, you, you're talking about everything as far as the media goes when it comes to um, the you know writing of the sitcoms, writing of the dramas, writing of all that, and how the networks are related to this. Um, I was um, I was a victim of the changing television environment. The company that I used to work for, Sinclair Broadcasting, got rid of the entire local news department in about five markets. I happen to be one of them, therefore I was out of a job um, because of the way that uh, people are getting their news. Uh, then there was a scripts broadcasting. They laid off a number of people for their local programming too, their local news as well. And the danger of this is, is that people need to know what's going on in their community. And with newspapers being pamphlets now, I mean, I don't know, I don't care where you're living, the newspaper today ain't what it was even a year ago, right. two years ago, three years ago. Uh, newspapers are becoming pamphlets. Um, and local radio, 
the, 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 the local news talk station here in Omaha has no reporters out on the street. Yet there's, you know, talking about how they're the news station, but no reporters. Um, you, you know, you've got, uh, like I said, the local, you got local news stations, the TV news stations, where you've got a few old guys hanging in there. And then you've also got some good young reporters, ambitious young reporters. But what happens is those young, ambitious reporters get to be 26, 27, 28. They're working long hours. The pay isn't all that great. They have an opportunity to go back into the private sector and get a job as a public information officer for a school district or a utility or something. And so they have that opportunity So you know, to make six figures doing that. And they say, why am I putting myself through all of, you know, the hassle of being here with a local news station, you know, being yelled at called fake news and all this stuff, when I can be, you know, doing nine to five, working for some, uh, you know, public information officer somewhere and making some better money. And so we're losing that whole middle ground of institutional knowledge. And when the old dinosaurs die off, you know, when they're gone, uh, you know, people like me that were hanging on just because, you know, um, because they could, you know, um, when you had when those people are gone, then what happens when there's no middle ground of younger reporters coming up to fill the void? Let me ask you this question. What if you were running a newspaper like the Omaha World Herald or the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and you went in one day and said, we are dismantling our online newspapers? And we're only going to go back to print. So if you want to read our newspaper, you have to go back to print. You cannot get it online. What do you think would happen? Well, for one thing, that's not going to happen because the way that they were making all their money on print were things like classified ads. And those are never coming back. Right. Um, I think what would happen would be like you'd end up paying, you end up paying, you know, uh, $5,000 a year for a subscription for a, uh, a local newspaper. But, 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 but they they got rid of the advertising, right? They, as you said before, they were, you know, getting the dollar advertising. Now they're getting, you know, cents for clicks. So if you went back to the old advertising model and you wanted to read the newspaper, right. To, and you want to sell the newspaper to people who want to read the newspaper, who read the box scores, who, you know, want to know about the Cardinals or the Nebraska football team or whatever, um, you'd make them pay it. That's the, see, the thing that you have to give credit to with the record industry. When Napster came along and was threatening to destroy the music industry, the music industry went after Napster to the point where they finally put him out of business because they knew that file sharing was the end of the music business. What newspapers and movies and TV and what they did is they let the Trojan horse in. They allowed them to share passwords to use our content for Facebook, right? Facebook get makes more money off an article from the post dispatch than the post dispatch. And Facebook stock is trading at 300 and the post dispatch stock is trading at, you know, 20. Well, and not only that, but okay. Uh, you know, radio and TV, they did it to themselves. I mean, how many radio stations said, hey, like us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, right. like us on Twitter. Hey, right. and so they did, when, when this first came out, you know, um, these uh, traditional media outlets 
saw the social media as being a way to help promote themselves. And yet what they wound up doing was wound up killing themselves by promoting all the other um, social media outlets. Right. And as such, uh, as such, they wound up, you know, doing more damage to themselves. And I don't know that if radio and TV stations hadn't done that, I don't know if um, they would have been able to survive anyway. But at the same time, they did an awful lot to hurt themselves by promoting the fact that, hey, follow us on Facebook uh, or whatever the social media outlet might be, as opposed to just stay tuned to my radio show, stay tuned to my TV station, stay tuned to uh, you know the traditional media uh, and uh, ignore all the other stuff that's going it, on. It's, it's so right. Every person who was the smartest person in the room said, you know, embrace social media. But it, it was just basically they didn't say embrace other radio stations, right? They didn't yeah. say embrace. So imagine going and saying, "Hey, you know what? You should really listen to this other radio station." But in essence, we told the audience, "Hey, go listen to us somewhere other than here, which is where I was getting paid for you to listen to me." Mm -hmm. So they told me, "Let me. I'll go over here." And post over here, and you can follow me over here, but not on the radio station in which I'm talking to you right now. Yeah, it makes no sense. But yeah, I mean, and look, and, and and we'll see what happens. I mean, a lot of these, you know, you know Twitter's losing money now. Uh, Twitter was Twitter, never making money. Yeah, well, that's it. That's it too. A lot of these social media places have never made any money. Um, right, they and, making and, any and money they, now. They're not making any money, but they, I mean, but they destroyed. The institutions that were making money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so 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 uh, it's nuts. You know, it's awful. Kind of like Uber, right? Uber sort of dis destroyed the taxi cab world, but Uber wasn't making any money, and it was funded and subsidized by hedge funds for ten years. And well, you know, and, and, look, and, and look, I mean. You know, we can sit here and, and whine and cry about it, but the reality is is that there was a time when, uh, you know, there were uh, horse and buggies, right? They ain't around anymore. I mean, things do change. Things indeed do change, and it's how do you adapt to that change? I don't know that democracy survives without a solid watchdog, media watchdog. If everybody is getting their news from you know, politics fan 1294 and not getting it from whether it be the local newspaper, the local TV station, local talk radio station, if they're not getting it from a reliable source that has actually got skin in the game that has um, built up uh, their uh, resources, build up their, um, uh, uh, you know, their, their informants and able to uh, put stuff out there knowing that if they were wrong, they'd have to pay a price see Fox News, it, without that sort of um, accountability, how does how does democracy survive? And I don't hate to be such a downer, but it is a concern of mine. Well, you talk about Fox News, you talk about MSNBC, they're subsidized by the cable industry, right? People who hate Fox News, I'll never watch Fox News. You're paying each month to have Fox News be carried on a system you don't watch. You hate MSNBC. I'll never watch, but you're paying for it. You're, you know, the 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 astronomical salaries that these weekend that these nighttime hosts on cable news are making are subsidized 
by the people who don't watch them. So again, it's not a model that can sustain itself. It's not a model that 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 can work. I don't know the answer to it, but Fox News, and this is true of pretty much, I think most um, media outlets that are, that are on cable uh, don't really have to sell any advertising. No, because because they're making their money from the cable outlets or the streaming outlets. Um, now, how long that lasts, who knows? But at this point in time, that's. Uh, you know where we're at with it. You know, it's just, um, you yeah, know, I mean, Murdoch... you know, CNN, CNN will have, you know, they'll have seven hundred thousand people watch a late night show, but you'll have, you know, three, you know, two hundred million people paying CNN a monthly service fee to carry it on their on their on their monthly fee. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's whatever. More no, importantly, it... more importantly, I want to go watch the new Mission Impossible movie in the movie theater. But I'm afraid that if I don't go this weekend, um, I'll miss it and I'll have to watch it on my home movie theater, my home screen. Well, I think the Mission Impossible movie will be around a while longer than just the weekend. But uh, but there are movies out there that I have. Oh, I'll, I'll go see this. And a week later, they're gone. Right. Um, you know, that you have to, you know, you got to see them all right when they come out uh, to see them in the theater. Um and in some some movies, I you know you go and you say, ah, you know what? Nah, I'll just wait. I'll just wait till it comes around, and then uh, I'll, I'll watch it when it's on streaming. Um, when I was a kid, I, when I was a kid, I do remember I was part of the generation where the movie would stay in the movie theater all summer long. So if you didn't see Jaws the first weekend, right, you saw it two or three or four weekends later, and it was just part of your summer activity. You know, everybody saw Jaws at some point. Everybody saw Star Wars at some point. Um, but now, you know, movies come and go so fast, you don't even get time to sort of talk about them because they're they're here today and they're gone tomorrow, and they cost $300 million to make. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and as evidenced by the uh, uh, latest Indiana Jones movie, uh, if they don't, if you don't, Make it that uh, first weekend, right? It's tough to make. It's tough to make up that money on the on the backside. Although perfect, perfect example, perfect yeah. example. I probably would go see the Indiana Jones movie, but I was busy last weekend, so I didn't go. And so now I, you know, I'll watch it on cable or wherever because, you know, or I, I, I don't know. I just, it's just the whole the whole system is completely different now. Well, it was part of the problem with the Indiana Jones movie. Part of the problem that people just couldn't imagine an eighty-year-old Indiana Jones was that you know is that I, part well, of the problem? I also heard it? it was just a bad movie. It's just a bad. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I, our guy, our our Jason Nathanson from ABC News panned it, and I mean I loved Indiana Jones, but again, but again, the first the first Indiana Jones came out. That was a summer movie, and I remember people talking about it, and I remember going to see it like six weeks into the summer, when it was still in the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah, boy, and you know you got to feel sorry for a guy. You know, and I don't know if feel sorry is the right word, but Harrison Ford, he, you know, he had to know, he had to know like halfway through that this thing was just going to be a dud while filming it, and just say, well, I can't get out of it now, and I got to get out there and smile on the late night talk shows to try to promote this thing. But then he knowing had to turn that, around uh, and sort of promote it, I don't yeah. know. But that first one was great. The ninth one wasn't so good, but the first one was great. Yeah, All right, we're about out of time here. So, what? Uh, anything else on your mind? Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, one more thing. One more thing. He's just saying. 
Did you watch any of that FBI fillet job they did to Christopher Ray the other day during the Senate? Uh, the House. No, I, no, I did not. I read about it, but I didn't. I didn't watch any of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm watching, you know, just go after Christopher Ray. One, you're a Biden lover. You're trying to cover up for the Bidens. You know why? The, and I, I, I'm watching this, and I'm like, am I losing my mind? Christopher Ray was nominated and put into the FBI by Donald Trump. So if you don't like the guy, don't blame Joe Biden. Blame Donald Trump. Now, you see, now, hold on a second. No hold, on a second. hold on a second. You're, 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 you're trying to put some rational thought here behind the irrationality of some of our Republican representatives. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, you're not if you're trying to make sense out of what Matt Gaetz is saying, you're going to go nuts. If you're trying to make sense out of Jim Jordan, you're going to go nuts because it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. They're they're not for anything. They're against everything. They're always the victim. It's it's just I know it it it, it no, frustrates but, but, the hell out of me. Bobby Jindal, he said this maybe like oh god, 10, 15 years ago or so. Bobby Jindal used to be a rising star in the Republican Party, former governor of Louisiana. He made the comment, he says, the Republican Party has got to stop being the party of stupid. But, you know, turns out they didn't. And they want, I've said this numerous times, when I started doing talk radio 30 some odd years ago, Republicans were calling my show complaining about the dumbing down of America until they realized they could benefit from it. I don't know, I I just thought it was nuts that Donald Trump nominated the guy and appointed him the FBI and somehow he's, if you got a problem with, uh, with Christopher Ray, don't blame Joe Biden. Blame Donald Trump. He's the one who put him there. It's all about getting the sound bite on TV, putting it out there, and then using it for uh, and people uh, fundraising. Have, and people have a memory of about 35 seconds. That they do. I, I know. Um, I know. The whole thing, it's like, I know. Well, we we'll talk go. about we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more next week. We appreciate everybody that stuck with us all this time. Uh, keep on uh, listening, and uh, when McGraw's on vacation, we'll be back with another podcast every Thursday with Becca and Milhaven. Just saying, until next time. Thank you for your time. So long, everybody. Huda Media Production.